We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The next day, my, my lawyer, James Quinn, told me, George, now you're a free agent, you're free. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? We're back for another episode. Better late than never, but we're in the building. It took me two days to recover from my reunion. 
And thankfully, Andreas Hale allowed me the extra day off. So we're recording this on a Friday. What up, Andreas? What up? Oh, man, before we even start, can what happened at your reunion? Yo, so <laughs> I got to hear about this. So it was my 10-year high school reunion, and I planned the entire thing because our class president is running for, like, Congress in Nevada. So he's been in politics, I mean, since high school. He went to school for it. He's in it. He's knee-deep. I swear this guy's going to be president one day. So no one else wanted to step up. It hit, like, July, and I was like, yo, I got it. I'll plan everything. So I collected everyone's money, booked the entire venue, had the food laid out, the bar, everything was dope. Uh, shout out to Elixir Lounge in Vegas, rented out the whole spot. So it was cool. It was a lot of running around on Wednesday. I, I still haven't watched as much wrestling as I need to because that's my wrestling day. Um, I just caught everything like super quick this week. And so Wednesday was all planning, running around, setting up the venue. And I still had to go coach the football team that I coach. And then finally came home, showered, went to the place, set everything up. And by the time I blinked, it was over. And I was stupid drunk. Like, next, next level drunk. Everyone was just like, yo, thanks. I'm so glad you planned it. It looks amazing. I'm buying you a shot. And they just kept ordering me shots. So I had rum. I had vodka shots with my Polish friend, Robert Fida. Uh, I had tequila with Miguel. The Costa, I'm, t- I'm telling you, yo, everyone, and it was like nationality based. So everyone bought me their favorite shot. And I was drinking rum on my own. It was all bad. So at the end of the night, I look up, my bar tab is $1,200. It's a good night. Jesus Christ. All right. So first, before anything else, um, you went actually went to your high school reunion and then you planned it. I've, I've never. Yo, I was I like don't... Mr. High School. though. You were, you were the same thing. But you nah, did but more like I, Kappa League, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but like once I was out, I was out. <laughs> I never wanted to see those people again. You never went to your 10-year reunion? No. Hell no. Nah. I ain't going to show your age on this podcast, but you're going to this next reunion. I'm not going to shit. <laughs> like, I have no reason to go to any high school reunion anymore. Like, they just not? You got you know, a dope no job. Sense. It's not like you can't go and just be like, yo, I'm Andreas Hell. Nah, man. What what I'm gonna do? Go there and have a bunch of people ask me for shit? No, that's okay. <laughs> Yo, can you listen to my mixtape? <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. That'd be hilarious, though. That, oh, it that's, would. I'm pretty sure that would happen. But no, it, you, know, you know, whatever. You go. You see the old people. You see, like, okay, you know, I know you don't got your your curls for the girls anymore. No, no that's more l- finger waves. No nothing. But you know, you go rock the baldy. You'd be like, oh, you don't have hair? You'd be like, yeah, I don't have hair. What up, though? And they'd be like, yo, look at my 18 million kids. That's what they'd say. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much what it was, just having convos with everyone. Um, there was only a handful of people that I hadn't seen what their life was kind of up to, thanks to, like, Facebook and everything. Um, one of our decorations was, like, the MySpace cutout. So we had, like, an old-school MySpace cutout wow. um, that people took pictures inside of. Uh, that was dope. But... Yeah, I mean, we've all been on social media since. So when we graduated in 06, we had MySpace. When we started out, I guess we were all on, like, AIM and all that stuff, which, thank God, we grew. So we left with MySpace, so I found, like, mad pictures for collages off of people's old MySpaces. I went, got back into those, um, took pictures from high school and stuff. So we had MySpace transition straight into Facebook, and everyone kind of friended everyone from back then. So 
I knew what people were doing. I knew who had kids, who were married, who had a divorce, blah, blah, blah. I didn't, let's see, I saw most of my old crew. A lot of them came. Um, I still hang out with a lot of my high school friends, like my closest ones. But the football team players were there, which was dope. A couple of the cheerleaders came. Head cheerleader came from Dallas. Um, we had the football kicker come from Maryland. So people like came in for it. It was like a, an event event. Uh, my ex-wife didn't come, so that made it even better. Uh, <laughs> yo, word up. Uh, one of our closest friends who's gone batshit crazy, I didn't invite. He didn't crash it, which was great. His ex-wife is the co-cheerleading captain. She came. Uh, so that it was cool, yo. But that's what you noticed. Like, a lot of people had high school sweetheart stuff and all this stuff, and hardly any of those people are together. So it made for right. some awkward moments. I dodged mine. I don't think my ex-wife and my girl have been in the same spot yet, which is amazing. I don't necessarily care to see my ex-wife in that position. Um, but nah, she ain't come, so that was dope. You know, but everyone else, the important people were there. And that's mm. what mattered. And, you know, everyone was tipsy, and it started at 8. Uh, I left at one thirty. It said close out my my tab. So uh, yeah, it was cool. I was I don't know I don't know how people don't go to the reunion. You only get one. Yeah, but I feel like you know, it, it, for me personally, I just feel like the reunions on goddamn Facebook and social media. So like the high school, the allure of seeing people and finding out what they've been doing for ten years is gone. Once you had Facebook and all that social media and all that other shit. Yo, you got to so see people in person, though. There's this one chick who had gastric bypass. She looks amazing. <laughs> like, she lost an entire person. I was so happy for her. I was like, yo, people, honest to God, didn't know who she was for a second. They had to scroll through, like, the yearbook pictures. Be like, yo, this was you? She was like, yeah. She's like, yo, that's crazy. And she wore, like, a, a, a tight-fitting dress and all that. I was like, yo, that's how you rock gastric bypass. You do that shit, you come, you get yourself in shape, and you just stun on people at your reunion. I guess. So just that, like, in-person shock value is dope. Um, but like I said, it's like having kids. It's like, yo, okay, I'm going to have four kids, so I'm not going to go to my second one being born. It's like, no, like, they're all special. They're all different. Same thing with high school <laughs> reunions. You only get one 10-year reunion. You only get one 20-year. You got to go to, like, the 50-year. Just pop up. You're going to have Matt Gray in the beard. You see who's dead. I mean, like, who doesn't show up? You assume they're dead. <laughs> Jesus. All right, enough about your uh, high school exploits. Uh, yes, I'm now sober again. Shout out to that. Yesterday was Hangover City. Congratulations. Uh, so what, what do we have to talk about this week? It's a pretty light week in the world of combat sports. Oh, uh, yeah, man. It's, it's super light. So I didn't miss much, thank God. Uh, but I, I turned around and blinked and half of the UFC is gone. Oh, I guess we should start there. Um, <laughs> uh, it started with, I guess, Schaller leaving for a new job, and the names just keep rolling out with firings now. Yeah, WMEIMG is coming, and now they're cleaning house, which is kind of expected when the company takes over. Um, they're going to get rid of a lot of people and bring in their own because uh, they can't do both. But, man, it just sucks to see a lot of people that we've known for a long time in the, in the old regime of the UFC, like Sh Dave Schaller. For those who know him best from breaking up, well, not breaking up, getting ran over between John Jones and Daniel Cormier, um, Dave Shaw is one of the best guys in the business in terms of PR. I've known him since the WEC days, uh, and I watched him come up. And now he's going to the Philadelphia 76ers to do PR for them. Congratulations to him, but it just sucks that we're seeing all these people from the UFC going. But the question is, is this going to be a good thing at the end of the day? 
Um, no, I mean, they've lost great people, like you said. Um, a lot of people who treated me very well, a lot of people who were there when I first broke in, and we talked about how hard it is to be a minority covering sports in general and right. being a reporter, and it's not easy. So they don't let too many of us in. So it was nice that they let me in. I was 24 years old. And they let me prove myself and, you know, I worked my way up and built relationships with these people. So it was very cool, um, you know, to get to know them and just see familiar faces at all these events. So the changeover is going to be a little bit different, but it's what happens when businesses are sold and corporations are sold. On the flip side of that, there have been problems with how the UFC as a whole, as a brand, has treated media. Um. Mm. Dana White specifically ruling with an iron fist. There's no quote-unquote rule book. It's not like the NBA, the NFL. I get credentials from there. Everything's laid out. Like, yo, if you get kicked out of that, you know why you got kicked out. It's right. all laid out for you. It's on the back of the credentials. Every Everything you need to know is listed out for you. As long as you don't do those things, you're okay. There's no such thing in the UFC. It's one person can do one thing, another person cannot. Um, you, you kind of know your leash, you know your place as far as media is concerned. We've seen people banned. We've seen people still banned um, for stuff that wouldn't get a blink of an eye in another sport. So on that regard, I, I think it'll get more by the book, which can only be a good thing. It's just sad that, you know, the people that are there to say, nah, y'all can't change. Like, it's cool. We're putting our people in place and they'll make the change. So hopefully it's for the better. Um, the process should be streamlined. They did a good job, actually, in my opinion, over the past year with the website and how you apply for credentials and whatnot to really get everything uh, a, a little bit easier to go on there. We have the press portal and all that now, which is a good building point. But we'll see. It can only go up. The sport's only going to get bigger. We saw how much it's sold for. There's more money involved. But they're going to bring their people in. Money, money makes money. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the gist of it. I mean, the everybody's seeing the stories. A lot of people don't know how these things work um, in terms of how it's going to affect what you watch. But I'm hearing a lot of rumors. I'm hearing that they might get rid of the Ultimate Fighter. I'm hearing they're going to do less, a lot less international shows next year. Um, I'm hearing that the, the big campus that they're building out here, they're cutting some of that budget too. I don't know how much of this is all true, but this is the stuff that I'm hearing. So it's like there's going to be some changes. I don't know if they're going to be cosmetic to the point where people can actually see them but the UFC is changing but one of the biggest changes that we were just seeing and it's it's pretty interesting is this whole George St. Pierre fallout yeah the funniest part is that he said him and Fertitta had a deal on the table he went he went back to I guess accept the deal and it was off the table and I'm just like why didn't you accept it already then like, if the new owners forced him out quickly, when was the deal on the table exactly? Why See, didn't you sign it? I, I don't understand. What changed between that deal and now? So, if, if you've been living under a rock, the, the George St. Pierre went on the MMA Hour, Ariel Hawani, and said that he is basically, his contract with the UFC was terminated, and he is now a free agent. Much to the shock of a lot of people. Um, but here's the interesting thing about this. From the beginning, St. Pierre said... Uh, he wanted to fight. And Dana White has been giving him pushback 
ever since he said he wanted to come back to the cage, which has been really strange to me. You would think that Dana White, who bends over backwards from Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor, would see Joint St. Pierre, who you know has ushered in some of the biggest numbers in UFC history before Ronda and, and, and Conor became stars. You'd think that he would you know, welcome him back with open arms. Something's up. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I personally think it has to do with him signing with Under Armour and then the Reebok deal coming in and them not finding a meeting place for the money. Because St. Pierre's losing a lot of money if he comes in and he can't wear Under Armour, so he needs that money made up. But why, why is the cold shoulder from Dana White? Why does he keep saying that he doesn't want to fight? Do you really believe that George St. Pierre doesn't want to fight? I think he doesn't want to fight. I think so. I mean, the clock is ticking. Like, he only has so many more fights left in him. Championship quality fights. Uh, we've seen the belt change hands in that division. He can go back and get it. He is now bigger, and I think he can challenge for the 185 title immediately, especially if it's in Bisping's hands. How long he holds that, who knows? You know, Weidman, Rockhold, these are guys who I think stylistically would present problems to GSP, but even capturing the belt and becoming a two-weight class champion means something. So there, those options are there for him, but the clock is ticking. And if it's just apparel and all this stuff, pay the man, anticipate what he was going to get from just week of money and give him that week of money because you've acquiesced more to Conor McGregor. You need more stars. We've seen what happened when Ronda disappeared for a year. It was all McGregor. UFC 200 couldn't do anything because McGregor wasn't on that card. Yeah, I think they've kind of, here's, here's what I think. I think, I wrote about this a few weeks ago, and I've said it in numerous times that Bellator is WCW and the UFC is WWE. And I think the UFC is getting to the point where they forget, and maybe this is WME, maybe it's their, their issue, that they forget that guys like George St. Pierre are a big deal. And they're still big stars. And, and when you have stars of that caliber, you do need to acquiesce to them. Because, you know, if, with fighter treatment being an issue, fighter pay, fighter, you know, the fighter union, with all this conversation, if George St. Pierre is the guy who ends up taking a stand and walking, what do you think the rest of the roster is going to do? They're going to reconsider their position. Like, if you can't give GSP, a guy who essentially is recognized as the world's greatest MMA fighter, if you can't give him what he wants, what makes you think that you're going to give me what I want? So if, if that's the case, and somebody like, say, Pierre can't get whatever he's asking for, you know, this could be a coup for Bellator. If Bellator can pry him away and go through the legal court and, and bring him on board, he could be their Hulk Hogan for the NWO. Like, Bellator could make that move. But the, the, it seems like the UFC just doesn't care. And they think that they can survive without GSP, which they can, but... Let's just say Ronda lose. Let's just say Connor loses in November and Ronda loses in December. Who's your big star? No one. <laughs> There's He's your gonna problem. pull every string to get John Jones back, um, and he doesn't sell. So it, it's it's a weird place that they're in. And if I, I don't see Bellator being able to pry GSP away from the UFC for long, but even the Rampage Jackson style one off that the UFC was able, able to get, if Bellator can get a one-off with GSP to come in just fight for their title, it's huge. Just tie it up in litigation, get the window, and let him compete in one fight. Then what the UFC has to bring him in then. It's just, yeah, I mean, something's got to give. I mean, the, the it's basically... It's petty, though, because it, they have money now. Now we know it, they have money. Yeah, but it's, it, it's exactly that. It's petty. 
it's petty. You know, they, they said that um, GSP said that he was offered a Robbie Lawler fight and he knew that Robbie was taking some time off. And then Robbie came out and said, no, I want to fight GSP. GSP doesn't fight me. There's, there's, there's his story, their story, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. And I'm just kind of blown away by how this is all played out because GSP being on that UFC 206 card in Toronto would have been a huge deal. I just don't understand why this stuff can't get done. This is this again. This is George St. Pierre, easily the greatest welterweight in MMA history. But again, one of the greatest fighters ever. He may not be Mr. Charisma. He may not be the most exciting fighter in the cage, but he's one of the most marketable people that the UFC has had. How do you not just bend over and give him what he wants? Now, and, and again, why is Dana White acting like the way he's acting? Is he is he really that shrewd of an individual where he's just like, I got Conor and Ronda, so I don't need GSP anymore? I, I don't get it. It's kind of stupid. You need as many stars as possible. Like There shouldn't be a, oh, we need, well, we have two people. There's enough room at the top for everyone. But let them separate themselves. You can have multiple superstars. The NBA is just like, you know what? We just have LeBron. We're good. No, Steph rose to the next level. Steph's a superstar. Durant's a superstar. You build as many of them as possible. Let them build themselves. Sure, you don't have to give them the LeBron James immediate out of high school push. Steph built himself over time. He's a superstar. Russell Westbrook, with his funny clothes and just jumping out the gym, has built himself into a superstar. Let them develop themselves into that, and then you invest in them. GSP has built his star over time. You can invest in him and assume you're going to make your money back three times as much. So for those people you bend, it's like Cody Garbrandt. When Garbrandt fights next, if he is lucky enough to become champion, you strap a rocket to that kid's back. You need as many stars as possible. Crossover stars. It's it's stupid. I mean, so, you know, let's move on because this this UFC versus GSP saga is not ending anytime soon. So moving right along, you mentioned Cody Garbrandt. So the rumor is that Cody Garbrandt will be next in line for a title shot against Dominic Cruz at UFC 207 in Vegas, which is headlined by Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez. Does Cody Garbrandt deserve to fight Dominic Cruz ahead of TJ Dillashaw? Yes, (laughs) definitely. You know what, TJ? It was a good fight. Um, Cruz slowed down later in the fight. In the beginning of the fight, it looked like TJ couldn't hit Cruz if he had a baseball bat attached to each arm. Cruz was that fast. I, Cruz said he hurt his foot towards the end of that fight. I see no reason not to believe him the way he slowed down in the fourth and fifth rounds. I didn't have it close. I thought Dominic Cruz won that fight easily. Um, I think it would happen again. And to beat someone like Dominic Cruz, in my mind, you have to beat him by knockout. Same thing I say about John Jones. They're too good technically to outpoint for five rounds. So you're going to give Cruz another shot at Dillashaw, and he's going to beat him four rounds to one. Give the kid, young kid, power. We've seen what knockouts have done to change hands. This guy has crazy knockout power for that weight. Let him go in there. Let him take the top shot at uh, Cruz, because Cruz has been hit before. He just hasn't been KO'd. So we'll see if he has what it takes to chase him around for five rounds. Not many people do. Not saying Cruz is going to lose, but it's time. It's always time to put in the young, fresh face instead of retread rematches. Cool. Dillashaw can wait. If Garbrandt happens to win, he fights Garbrandt. If Cruz happens to win, then he gets his rematch. It's it's a win-win after this 
for TJ Dillashaw. But it's a huge win for the UFC if they can create a new megastar in Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not mad at this fight happening. I think uh, you got to recognize talent while, while it's hot. Um, Cody Garbrandt is, is doing essentially what John Jones did on his way up to the light heavyweight ch- title, shot against uh, Shogun Hua. Um, not exactly the same because John was a completely different type of dominant, but uh, Cody's shown that he, he, you know, he deserves it. So given the opportunity, um, but if, if Dominic Cruz does win, you know, I, when Dominic Cruz recently said that he's interested in fighting Conor McGregor at lightweight, that's the fight I want to see. Because Dominic Cruz, in my opinion, I've said this before, is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. That's, that's my personal opinion. People say uh, Demetrius Johnson, but Dominic Cruz beat Demetrius Johnson. Granted, it was at Bantamweight instead of Flyweight, which would never happen because Dominic Cruz is too big for that. But Dominic Cruz hasn't lost. And it hasn't really even been close. So, of course, there's some bad blood between Cruz and basically anybody he fights. But, you know, Cody Garbrandt wants to knock him out. I want to see this fight. Co-main event makes a lot of sense. Make it happen. Um, Dillashaw can either wait in the wings or we might see Dominic Cruz make that jump and go fight Conor McGregor. Uh, anything is possible here. I think it's a good style style fight. I'm very interested in the fight. I'm picking Dominic Cruz. Like I said, I think he's dude is just too good. Um, but, oh, yeah. I, it's, it's, I mean, how do you pick against Dominic Cruz? It's a wild Ow. year, man. <laughs> how it's do you pick against, against anyone this year? Um, knockout power is the great equalizer. Everyone loses sometimes. Yeah, I, I just don't see Dominic. I don't see... I, I have a feeling no love can catch him. Now, if he can put him out, I'm not sure. If Cruz can take him to the ground and survive the storm, uh, no different than we saw DC versus Rumble. I picked Rumble over DC. I bought into the knockout power. DC ate the first Rumble punch, weathered the storm, and then beat him in the long run. I can see that's how Cruz wins this. Can he weather the storm is a question. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm just not. My, my, my thing is, I'm not sure that Cody Garbrandt, he beat Thomas Almeida, who was somebody who was coming up. And who did he just recently knock out? Kawajiri? Yeah. Um, so it's like, you look at those two guys. And, and that's who Cruz beat, right? I mean, that's, I mean no, that's a, that's a Garbrandt beat. No, and, no, I mean, Cruz beat him as well when he was well, yeah, coming I back. I mean, Cruz railroaded Kawajiri as well. So it's like, Cody's knocked out these two guys, but that, that doesn't make me necessarily think that he's going to knock out Dominic Cruz because he hasn't beat, like, Brian Caraway or TJ Dillashaw or Rafael Asuncao. Or, there's a lot of guys in that division that Cody is kind of moving past. So I can't give him the edge against Cruz yet. I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if he wins, but I'm not picking him. Um, but I think it's a good co-main event for UFC 207. Uh, it, I think it'll be a fun night in Vegas. You know, right after that, you get Ronda and... Uh, and Amanda. So I think we're going to have a lot of trash talking between these, these two uh, main and co-main events, these two title fights, and it should be fun. So, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I'm cool. Yeah, that's, give us fun fights. Do exactly what boxing is not doing. And I can't knock it. Just fresh, fun fights. Two of the elite fighters, at least, they're not pulling someone who's ranked, you know, like eighth or ninth. Um, as fun as Hendo was versus Bisping, Rankings-wise, it made no sense, and it was a mismatch. Right. Um, Bisping obviously fought down to Hendo's level, and Hendo damn near won the fight. Um, so it was exciting, but that's what keeps the UFC the UFC. 
outside of the BS, outside of the money, the purchasing, the tur- turnover and staff, the paying McGregor and letting McGregor do whatever the hell he wants. At the end of the day, people tune in and watch it because it's exciting and they're watching two of the best fighters in a particular class go down. And as yeah. long as they keep doing that, WME is not going to fail. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, we'll see how the rest of everything else goes with the WME changeover, but it seems like the UFC is in okay shape for the time being. Um, so it's pretty light on combat sport. Well, boxing in the on MMA. the other hand. Yeah, boxing yeah. is what we have oh, to talk God. next. And boxing's in a world of trouble. I didn't see two years ago, especially like when we started this show, how boxing could get worse. I was so optimistic. And I was like, PBC is here. It's back to network television. We got Floyd and Manny coming up. This is literally like our first show that we were talking about. And right. all these young stars. We brought in the Sean Porters. We talked to these type of people. We talked the future of boxing. And none of it has come to fruition. Pacquiao Mayweather was a dud. There's been no great follow-up after that. We can't get Canelo fighting anyone in his weight class. It's ridiculous what has happened to boxing. I haven't seen Keith Thurman in damn near a year. Well, I guess he's waiting to fight Danny Cherry Garcia. So, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I wrote a piece on, uh, you know, boxing. We're in an abusive relationship with boxing right now. It's like we love boxing, but boxing doesn't really love us back. It kind of beats us and spits on us. And then it comes back and makes us these big promises that, it's gonna, that it can't keep. Um, obviously, the biggest one being Canelo and Triple G, which we're hoping to see next year. But we don't know. So the most recent thing that's happened is we were looking forward to Gennady Golovkin facing Daniel Jacobs on December 10th. Uh, a fight between the WBA super middleweight champion, the WBA champion, which is that's, that's a whole other conversation in itself. Why is there a super title? Stupid. Anyway. <laughs> you, got, you would have had two guys who have been on incredible knockout tears. You know, Gennady's ridiculous tear, and Daniel Jacobs has been knocking everybody else to see return from his cancer story, which is another problem in itself is why Danny Jacobs is not a little bit bigger of a star than he is, considering his backstory. But anyway. Well, so we weren't sure he was going to win his last fight. It was, was. a rematch of a fight that he had lost, correct? No. I mean, he beat Sergio Mora. He beat, well, he, he beat Sergio Mora, but Sergio Mora broke his ankle. Oh, they both okay, changed knockouts the first yeah. knockdown the first round, and Moore broke his ankle and couldn't continue. And then Jacobs went and mauled him in the rematch. And then before that, he knocked out Peter Quillen in one round and destroyed him. And so Jacobs was looking like a world beater. And a fight with Gennady Golovkin was something that a lot of people didn't think would, would happen because of Al Heyman and the logistics of where it would be and you know what network it would be on, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, they they Jacobs called him out. Jacobs and his, his trainer, Rosier, called Gennady Golovkin out. They started negotiating. Jacobs' team wanted a 60-40 split instead of 75-25, which is normal for the WBA champion to get a 75-25 per split. Not bad at all. No. So, But Jacobs wanted 60-40. They told him no, which is not surprising. And then all of a sudden, Rozier, Jacobs' trainer, says, well, Danny needs more time to train. So we have to push the fight back, which basically means this shit might never happen, <laughs> which is which is frustrating because all it does is lend more credence to the fact that people don't want to fight Gennady Golovkin. And whether that's true or not doesn't really matter because I do think Daniel Jacobs wants to fight him. But to use an excuse that you need to train more when you when you fought in August and you need about three months to train anyway. So what was he doing? Not training? 
when he heard about the fight? I mean, wouldn't you, if you thought that you were going to fight the biggest boogeyman in boxing, wouldn't you just go back to the gym immediately? I didn't or, know these guys stayed out of the gym. You know, well, outside yeah. of Tyson Fury, coat binge. Oh, God. I, I thought they were always in the gym. It, it's their job. It's like you're nine to five. What the hell else are you doing? So, so, but I mean, the, the bigger question is, why did you just realize three days ago that you needed more time to train? Shouldn't you have known that when you first started talking about the fight? Because December 10th was the day for Canelo originally to fight on HBO. And when Canelo broke his hand and, and wasn't able to fight, Gennady willingly stepped in and said, I'll fight. And then Jacobs was like, well, shit, if he's going to fight, I'm going to fight. And we all got excited. And then they lied to us. And now he's got to train more. And then we might get this fight early next year. We might not get it at all. It's a bunch of bullshit. It well, sucks. if Canelo and Triple G can figure something out, we won't get it at all. But, I mean, Canelo Triple G is not supposedly happening until next September. Next fall. Which means yeah, it'll be September. It'll be Mexican Independence Day. So if Canelo's going to fight on Cinco de Mayo and Gennady's going to fight, because he wanted to fight in December, which means Gennady would have fought in December and he would have fought in spring around the same time, would have been the perfect build to that fight. It's just, it would have been a good, it would have been good to see Gennady fight somebody who is a champion, who is, he's only lost once, and has, a, has big knockout power, and is a great boxer, and Danny Jacobs is all those things. Now that fight's not happening. So, um, Gennady says he's going to wait, he's not going to fight on December 10th, and now we all just have to sit here and twiddle our thumbs and wonder what the hell's going on. Well, we're going to get Klitschko versus Brown, so. I mean, whatever. Be, yeah, you this know. Is, this is boxing. I mean, <laughs> look, we got Danny Garcia taking on Samuel Vargas. What the shit? I mean, boxing. I just saw Vargas get mollywopped, so I'm just, I'm, I'm not just, happy about that at all. I mean, Vargas, like, quietly, Vargas has won five fights since getting killed by Errol Spence. But he's won against a bunch of nobodies. And so that, so this is, this, this is boxing. This is what boxing does to its fans. You know, right when we get excited about something, we get fed a pile of bullshit. Like, we have the Kovalev-Ward fight coming up on November 19th. And that should be the only thing that we're talking about in boxing. Like, everybody should be putting all their energy towards marketing, writing stories, building up a fight between two of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. Two top five pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the world. Yet, we're dealing with a bunch of other nonsense. We got Pacquiao fighting Jesse Vargas. We got people talking about whether Canelo and Triple G are going to fight. It's like boxing is chasing its own tail. And it's not doing itself any favors with the fans. Yo, I'm looking at my emails now. I have three press emails for Ward Kovalev. That's it. Like, sent yeah. to me. So no one's marketing this fight. I can't even write about the fight. Like, they're not even sending anything out. That's boxing right now. That's Andre Ward right now. Um, just does a horrible job marketing himself. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot that has to do with Rock Nation. And, I mean... You know, a lot of people know that I was close to Rock Nation for quite a few years. You know, I worked with Jay-Z with his Life and Times website. So it's like when I got turned down for a Ward interview, um, I want to say when he fought Sullivan Barrera, I was confused. I'm like, yo, this guy needs all the interview opportunities he can get because people just don't really know about Andre Ward. So why are you guys not doing more press? But again, it doesn't help when two weeks before this big pound-for-pound -pound fight, which you are struggling to sell because it's hard because Ward's not really doing shit. Kovalev's not an American, so it's hard to really market this fight. But it makes it even harder when you got Jesse Vargas and Manny Pacquiao fighting on pay-per-view. Like, you're, you're, kill, you're, you're basically battling yourself. It's like UFC putting on two cards against each other and then being mad at the result because fans are split. 
It's it's stupid. So I don't know, man. I just have a hard time. Like it's I boxing. love boxing. Yeah, I love boxing, but I just can't deal with this nonsense. It's it's really ridiculous. Now, fortunately, we are getting a fight that's a big deal. We're getting uh, Charlo versus J Rock um, in December, which is pretty damn big. Jamal Charlo and Julian Williams have been talking trash each other for this entire time. A lot of people thought Jamal wouldn't fight him. We but were at J-Rock, the Charlo fight when J Rock yeah. was just <laughs> chirping behind us, just talking shit the whole time. It was amazing. So yeah, that fight's actually happening on December 10th. It's the, it's the co-main event to uh, Abner Maros and Jesus uh, Quellar, their, their, their fight. So, you know, we, we get a, good, a few good things here and there. We're getting Lomachenko and Walters. We're getting um, Kovalev Ward. But it's like, yo, man. Where is like, that J-Rock fight? California. Hmm. It's at um, the Gainless Center. That. Yeah, it's at the campus of USC in LA. Okay. Gainless Center. So I have it's, to make that trick. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a fight that that's interesting. It's a, it's a great fight, but again, when when boxing just isn't giving us, it's not giving us enough, and it can't wonder why it's getting pretty much ran over by the UFC this year in terms of ratings and attention. Like I write for Yahoo, and we have a hard enough time like running stories on boxing because they don't click. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Ever since Mayweather left, it's like, eh, who cares? So Mayweather, now that Mayweather's gone, it's about Canelo and Golovkin and what they're doing. That's like, it. at least in the UFC, you have so many different narratives that are interesting. You have so many different stars. You have, you have fights, great lineups of fights. Box is just not doing the same. No, at least there are people fighting the UFC. Right. You fight three to four times a year. You can create storylines. Boxing, even if I wanted to create an Errol Spence storyline, it's so irrelevant because he's not fighting. Same thing with, you know, just everyone at this point. What am I t- supposed to talk about? Keith Thurman, you know, makes fun of Danny Garcia on Twitter. That's all I got. Broner <laughs> has given me more boxing headlines in the past month than anyone else. And it ain't been shit about boxing. Nah, and that's because he's self-destructive. So it's yeah. like... And Mayweather picked him up, and he's training again, which is a whole nother shit show. Yo, we got to go down to the gym just randomly. Why not? Just pop in on Broner. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just... Choking it's women boxing. in clubs, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly choking women. Like, this is the headlines you don't want to make. Right? <laughs> this These, is boxing's biggest headlines. Right, this is what people care about. I mean... It's unfortunate, man. Like, I love, like I've, I say it a million times, I love boxing, but it's hard when it doesn't love you back. It's a sad day for boxing fans. Um, let's take a quick break then before we bum each other out talking about boxing. When we come back, we're going to talk wrestling for a quick segment. Not much going on, but a little bit we have to talk about. And then we're going to finish up with a full hip hop segment because we haven't talked hip hop in forever. So it'd be dope to just ramble on about uh, rap and just the state of everything. In the past, you know, in the past few weeks and moving forward into the end of 2016. So you guys stay right there. We'll be back right after this quick, quick break. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people. Now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes. And besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a hundred dollars iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with a hundred dollars on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. 
Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to the corner survey.com. Once again, that's the corner survey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the corner club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, we're back. Shout out to the sponsors. Make sure you guys take that survey. It's been helping out a ton. People have been hitting me back saying that they took it. Appreciate it. You know, Corner Club in full effect. You guys always help us out. Uh, But now it's time to talk wrestling. And there's not much going on, but Monday Night Raw had that nostalgic moment. The music hit. We saw the, the walk, the sparklers going off, the blowing of smoke. Goldberg is back. How'd you feel about it, Andreas? Did you get little goosebumpies? You know, here's how I felt. At first, I didn't care. Um, and I kind of still don't care about the match itself. However, when Goldberg came out, which we'll talk about the rest of Raw in a minute, because like everything in between the opening segment with Kevin Owens, Jericho, and Rollins to this didn't matter. Everything, Nothing else mattered in between. But this was the best promo I've ever seen Bill Goldberg do, ever. It felt like he was having fun. It felt like he was excited. It felt like he was he wasn't fulfilling a contract obligation a contractual obligation. It felt like he wanted to be there, which I never felt he like he wanted to be there when he got signed. When he came over for that, what was that, like two thousand three? Yeah, it was for one that, year, right? Yeah, it was one year and it's like, what do you remember from that year of Goldberg? I remember him beating the shit out of the rock. I remember his terrible match with Brock Lesnar and like a nonsensical feud with Triple H. Which was and so stupid. It was, I mean, it was bad. I think this, this was like Triple H's worst feuds was like with Goldberg and then like Scott Steiner. Oh, God, those were bad. <laughs> but this, I when like the whole promo, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see this guy looking happy. Uh, but so with that being said, I mean, we don't know when this match is going to take place exactly. Um, Lesnar's going to be on Raw next week. Uh, but I was happy to see Goldberg. I thought that was, it was a great promo it was an then, honest promo and then who was who was in the crowd was that the governor yeah <laughs> holy shit they didn't take that guy everywhere <laughs> he was crazy no nah, yo it was honest it came from the heart it didn't seem overly scripted he went out there and you know he's happy to be back i'm not sure how much they can pay him for a one-off i'm sure he's getting paid nicely but it doesn't seem like he came back for the money. He was just like, yo, I got to do this before my body breaks down. I'm 50 years old. Let's go get one more. No, it was, again, it was a really good promo. I don't know if that means it's going to be a really good match. <laughs> like, I, It can't I, be any worse than their first match. Well, nothing could be worse than that first match. That was two guys who really didn't care. On the biggest stage in, in pro wrestling and had a match like they didn't care and they brought in Stone Cold to basically be the buffer between two guys who didn't give a shit and it still didn't work nope they still didn't care 
nah, that was all bad. That was all bad. But overall, like I said, very strong promo. Crowd was hot for Goldberg the entire time. Good pop. Everything was done right. The gray yeah. and the beard. I like old man Goldberg look. I was, you know, initially I was, uh, I was wondering. I was like, well, they can't be bringing Goldberg on here for, to turn down the match. But I was like, is he really going to have another wrestling match? But then after this, I was like, yeah, I guess so. It's just a matter of when this thing is going to happen. Um, so let's see. What else happened on Raw? Uh, oh, so let's start with the opening segment with Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho. They're teasing the breakup now, uh-huh. uh, which is it looks like this match has to happen in uh, Canada at Survivor Series unless they are both on the Survivor Series teams and maybe they feud then. I don't know. But I think it'd be smart for them to have to headline Survivor Series and leave the five on five to everything else. But well, they know. will headline it if Goldberg versus uh, yeah. Lesnar is headlining it, but you never know. They could save it for the Rumble. Who knows? I just don't think. Well, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't. I don't think it makes sense. I don't think Goldberg will be ready for a wrestling match in like three weeks. That's that's just my personal opinion, but could be wrong. Um, so here, so here's my thing. The, the little opening segment, it's cool. Sets up this this the turn. Kevin Owens interferes with Jericho. Jericho's match costs him the match. Jericho gets pedigree by Rollins. Blah 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 blah. Now, what I still don't care about Seth Rollins as a babyface. And that whole sparkle crotch thing was terrible. <laughs> Yo, it made me laugh, though. It, made, it didn't make me laugh. It made me groan. Like, I was just like, I'm just at the point now where I feel like they've completely missed this bus on Seth Rollins. And they need to figure out how to repackage his babyface turn because it's not working. Like, they, I think they failed on both fronts between Kevin Owens being the champ. And which is still a little bit better because Kevin Owens is naturally a better talker, but and then Rollins being the babyface chasing the heel champ, it just they haven't clicked. It just this feud doesn't click with me. Well, they have, they have the ace in the back pocket, which is Triple H Rollins. They still haven't yeah, cashed yeah, that how in. How long is that going to take? Can I don't we know. Get to that? We thought that the last time, and then Triple H randomly appears and screws Rollins. They were like, "Yeah, finally we're getting it." And then they're like, "No, not yet." And then what if they tease it at every major pay-per-view until Mania? Um, you, you never know. They always have that. They haven't exhausted all options is what I'm saying. They just, but they've made you forget about it. Like the significance of uh, Triple H turning on Seth Rollins and basically anointing Kevin Owens as the authority figure is completely gone. They don't even discuss it anymore. It hasn't been brought up. So... If that's going to be in your back pocket, at least tease it out. At least make it seem like it's a possibility. Like, we haven't seen nor heard from Triple H since. At all. And, and it's, it just feels kind of weird because Triple H is your way, was your way to turn Rollins babyface. But then you're not using Triple H to complete the turn. So the, the, it's like a suspended turn where he's, like, there, but he's, like, he's just kind of a babyface because he's feuding with Kevin. Like, he's got a legitimate gripe, but... His his gripe should be really with Triple H more than Kevin Owens. Yeah. Like, shouldn't he be, like, bullying Stephanie, like, every week? I yeah, but Stephanie's not really a heel-heel anymore either. But she All is. Her and Mick are just making buddy-buddy cop movie promos every week. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, no, it's, it's weird. It's like watching an odd couple. She's She backed away from Triple H doing it and has taken on this more babyface role. With McFoley, the high fives, the no, we plan this together type thing. 
I don't see her as a as a oh. heel anymore either. I mean, I see her like this. Is how I feel. I feel like Stephanie McMahon is always a heel. She is a the consummate heel. She'll be a heel no matter what. The problem is, is that they gave us less and less reasons to care about her being a heel because they have her playing down the middle, and they keep they've teased it for so long that she didn't have nothing to do with Triple H's attack that we just kind of shrugged our shoulders. Like, well, can you get to the point? Like, the story's so long and drawn out now, or it feels long and drawn out, to the point where we just kind of don't care. Um, and that doesn't help when you have a three-hour Raw and you have a bunch of filler material in the middle. Like, what do you remember from this edition of Monday Night Raw? Anything? No, Besides I mean, what I just mentioned? No, besides the Goldberg thing, um, nothing else was memorable. What, we what had about Strowman? Strowman beating up two more people and Sami Zayn challenging Braun Strowman. Thanks. Um, I, I really don't know what they're doing with Sami Zayn. I like I'm that really matchup, though. Like, if you, whoever beats he's Strowman. Lose. Oh, see, now that's all bad. You can't be a jobber. But if it's a two, you know, a two or three fight feud and Sami finally is the one to bring down Strowman, I like that. But I, Matches will probably going to be shit, though. See, but that's my problem. It's like Sami Zayn is the last person to beat Kevin Owens before Kevin Owens became champ. So Sami Zayn should be lingering around somewhere, feuding with Jericho, maybe. You know, like, he should be somewhere in there, in the mix. Instead, he's feuding with a guy who they're pushing as a monster heel, which is Braun Strowman. And if Braun Strowman were to lose immediately to Sami Zayn, it makes... Like, the problem with monster heel pushes is this. Once they lose, it's over. Every monster heel, or every even monster undefeated babyface, Ryback... Goldberg. Once they lose, it's over. Nobody cares anymore. So in order to keep Braun Strowman hot, he has to continue to win. And he needs to win against a legit babyface. Sami Zayn shouldn't be that legit babyface he's beating. Neville? Maybe. Zayn? No. Zayn is too good to just be getting ran over by Braun Strowman. I don't... It's just... But this is, this is the state of the brand split right now, is that you have a lot of options, but they're limited at the same time. Oh, and the Cruiserweight match was... Uh... Forgettable at best. You well, know, like, I, why I is like this the feud. 1050. 10.50 p.m. This is happening. Yeah, the bad placement. Uh, I don't. I don't understand it. But I do like the feud between Kendricks and TJP. Um, understand why they were trying to build it and showcase everyone else at the same time in this tag match. It was just bad placement. The Goldberg thing was over. Everyone was ready to get the hell out of there. I mean, so you have you have that. What else we have? We have Bo Dallas becoming an even darker heel now, like a meaner heel. And going over on Neville cl- completely clean makes no sense why Neville's not in the cruiserweight division. This, <laughs> like, this is, this, the Cesaro-Sheamus thing is already getting old to me. Um, I hate because that it, pairing. It just feels like, I, like the, I actually like the pairing, but I don't like, see, I like Cesaro and Sheamus if they were feuding with another tag team before they feuded with New Day. Exactly. I don't like just throwing them into the title picture. You have established tag teams. Use them. Yeah, that's th- this is like built all wrong. Because the New Day, because if they beat Cesaro and Sheamus, which, which they should, it they, doesn't make any... They're breaking the record. You don't have them take this long to lose the belts. But it's like, this is... Like, if they beat them, then what's the point of even pairing them together? Like, what's the payoff of Cesaro and Sheamus? Again, send Sheamus and send Cesaro to SmackDown. Like, that's what you see. Loser leaves Raw. Something. Because this, this pairing, unless they win the titles, makes no sense. That'd be great, they sh- If they lose the title match, they say, you know what? Raw is only big enough for one of us. The loser has to leave. 
and Sheamus goes over and beats Cesaro. Cesaro has to go to SmackDown. Perfect. They That's didn't end their seven on seven, right? It's one more match. Sets it up nicely. Gets Cesaro the hell out of here. Because honestly, someone needs to be Intercontinental Champion on SmackDown. And there's no one ready for that. Go with Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler's your champ. The only person... And we'll talk about SmackDown in a second. Don't I, I get me started. Anyway. Um, the, only, <laughs> the other thing that about Raw was we had the... The, you know, the announcement that we had the Hell in a Cell between Sasha and Charlotte, which hopefully is headlining Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. If they don't, the WWE is really screwing up, not letting these girls headline. They're headlining. Um, but, you know, but like Mick Foley kind of hedged it on Twitter, saying, I don't know what's going to headline. But it would be a big blunder not to let them headline this, because may, maybe some, one of them is going to die in this match, because they, they love to impress, and I hope they don't kill themselves for the sake of the fans. I'm scared but, for Bay. She's, she's not built for the bumps. I mean, shit, you might see Charlotte do a, try to do a moonsault off the top of the cage. These women are crazy. I love it, but I just don't want to see them get hurt. <laughs> um, but they had this really awkward interview segment with Lita where Charlotte and Sasha both talked to Lita. And Lita's just like a really terrible interviewer. I don't know why they couldn't just drag in Renee Young from SmackDown to do it or even Michael Cole. But it just felt really awkward. Um, and last the week before, we got the really odd pairing of Charlotte with Ru- Rusev, which was weird because Rusev basically dogged during the previous segment. It's they're building they're building towards this match that I can't wait to see, but I just feel like it's an awkward build. Like I think that the Raw has done nothing but give us awkward builds to everything. Yeah, it's so much time and they misuse it still. You'd think in three hours you'd be able to figure stuff out. And it just seems long and drawn out, and they don't place the matches correctly every week. Um, there's still people that can't get a push on a three-hour show. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, dude. No sense at all. Um, the Cruiserweights, we are talking about this in our group chat uh, that we have, a wrestling one. You put them in your video game down at NXT. That's where they should have been. Yeah. That was yeah. their spot. Because then you can push everyone on the Raw roster that you had to go, you know, three picks to every two on SmackDown. So how about you use all of those people? And then the yes. Cruiserweights could have been an NXT brand. It would have been great. That would have been fresh. It would have been pre-taped if you wanted to make the Cruiserweights their own special. So on Wednesdays, you go NXT followed by the Cruiserweights or something. You get two hours of wrestling. It's pre-taped. It would have been fine. <sighs> Then they can appear at whatever pay-per-view you need them to appear on. That's cool. Anything would have been better than just smashing them in at 10.50. Yeah, it's, it, it feels like between the Cruiserweights, the brand split, and there's a couple other things that WWE is going to get tired of this and go back to normal maybe after WrestleMania. <laughs> like It just feels like they're just going to be like, ah, this was all bad. Like It'll be like, you remember, did you watch Married with Children? I did. <laughs> do you remember like do you remember like the last like towards the end when they had like those really weird storylines like bud was like the like grandmaster b and yeah all this shit? yeah <laughs> this was where we feel like we're at with wwe right now like they're trying a bunch of things it's probably not gonna work like they're not handling any of this stuff right um but how can stuff just... go so right on nxt on you know the cruiserweight classic got it so right Somebody in there knows what to do. Yeah, but they don't. How long does it take until they realize that? 
I mean, the the vision was short sighted. The brand split. They never really thought about it. It's like they did it, but they didn't really think about it long term. Like we said, there's there's a lack of you know uh, viable champion contenders on SmackDown. There's there's a lack of women to compete for the women's title on Raw, where the the women's SmackDown players feel is a little bit more level, where any of those girls could be champion. But on and Raw, it's like there's three. That's it. There's three, and that title needs to go between three women for the next year. That's before, it. I mean, Oscar's gonna come up sooner or later. Probably a SmackDown though. Nah, they're gonna have to send her to Raw. There's just no way. There's there's too many. There's the the the, the playing field because even Marie's not even back yet. Who can basically be like a monkey wrench in all the SmackDown girls? But it could be fun. Natalia, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, um, Becky Lynch, like. Nikki Bella, Carmella, like all those women could potentially be champion. You wouldn't be like, I don't believe that because they're all level. On Raw, there's three. And we haven't seen Nia Jax since. Like they basically ran her off the show. We don't even know where she's at. Yeah, she stopped doing squash matches, right? We don't even, like we haven't seen her. So it's like. There's not enough time on a three-hour show for Nia Jax. (laughs) But Dana Brooke and it seems like Dana Brooke and Bailey are feuding. But once they're done, then what? It's 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 too it's they they they've messed this brand split up completely for the long term. So whatever. Um, let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown, we got the Let amazing us. match between James Ellsworth and AJ Styles, where Ellsworth got in like the immaculate super kick, and pretty much that's it. Um, <laughs> I need to get the Ellsworth shirt. The shirt that, is worth every bit of money they're charging. That guy's a really funny-looking dude. He can't get any funnier looking than that. Wow. He looks like a baby bird. It's incredible. Um, once again, I love the writing on SmackDown. People may think it's boring. Whatever. I don't know how they find it boring. I think the writing and the scripting and the pace of SmackDown is so much better. They just don't have the talent to make it an exciting two hours. Well, I think... A lot of credit has to be given to AJ Styles. And a lot of credit has to be given to The Miz. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler feud and everything AJ Styles has been a part of has been gold on SmackDown. Outside of that, it's, top it's pretty heavy, troublesome. Man. It's top heavy. It's, yeah, it's pretty troublesome because, you know, before, we'll go back into the details about Ambrose being involved in, as whatever he was, timekeeper, announcer for the main event. But the opening match, why is Kane involved with his Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt feud and Luke Harper? Like, this is bad. Like, the feud was already bad as it was, but then Kane comes out of the coffin. Like, am I supposed to really pop for that after him disappearing last week? This is dumb. No, that's true. This feud should be over. <laughs> like, this feud, should, they, should, they should have moved on from this feud. Like, this feud should be over. And somewhere along the lines, they're going to have to figure out which five superstars from SmackDown are going to battle the five superstars from Raw. And I wonder if the titles, like, are we going to get, like, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, um... Rus- Roman Reigns, Rusev, and... Jericho. Like, where they have to coexist. Yeah, like, are we going to get those five against AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, Dean Ambrose, and wherever the hell John Cena is? Is, is that the five? That sounds Who's good to me, because you, you're still continuing the feuds within the five-on-five. Five. But then, you know... Jericho or, can or, cost or, Owens or something in that match, continuing that build. There's ways to spin off of these things, which which could work. 
I mean, like, I'm actually looking forward to Survivor Series because we could potentially see AJ Styles and Seth Rollins in the same ring facing each other. Like, I'm looking forward to that. But in terms of the storylines that SmackDown has right now, it's pretty stupid. Because as much fun as this James Ellsworth thing is, has been, it's going to end soon. It's going to be AJ Styles against Dean Ambrose again. And Dean Ambrose is the weakest part of that feud. So and, and then we're going to be relegated to dealing with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, which nobody cares about. You know, we've had the best. I do of like what casket matches. Is that bad? Like, I like that they're continuing this. Like, you need See, something. I, that's like an Undertaker thing. Like, I don't feel like that's Bray what Wyatt says, it. but he can't die with the Undertaker. But it's not fun with Bray Wyatt. It's not Who fun else with going to do a casket match. Nobody. They should die with the Undertaker. Nah, like, Bray Wyatt. Buried alive, like we're having casket a, stuff, all good. Buried alive can be Kane's thing. Not this casket match with the, with Brand, having Randy Orton involved in this is stupid. Like I don't want to see Randy Orton involved in this. It's all like Randy Orton should be feuding with AJ Styles right now. But oh yeah. They're, just, they're they're dragging out this Dean Ambrose thing because they really have nothing else for Dean to do because they don't have enough talent. Be, and essentially. You know, you're working your way to the Royal Rumble. It's like you got to figure out who's going to feud with who. And the entire the entirety of SmackDown outside of that, you know, is pretty meh. Like Heath Slater and Rhino, like that's getting old really fast. Like I'm at the point where I'm just like, all right, can we finish this, please? I love the Usos as a heel team, but American Alpha has basically been a dud since being called up to their main roster. Well, they haven't been given anything. But if you go heel Usos as champions and then them versus Alpha, that's one hell of a feud. But Alpha needs some kind of push. Like, they're not being pushed as a legit tag team in, in the SmackDown division. Like, SmackDown doesn't really have them sit prominently slated as a top talent. It's like, you got Gable and Jordan who were hot as hell in NXT, but they're kind of coming out to crickets on SmackDown. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to go through the same build on SmackDown that they did in NXT. I don't know. Like, you got Nikki Bell and Carmella. All right, whatever. Um, I, I, now I'm really confused why Naomi beat Alexa Bliss at the pay-per-view and a really lackluster match, but then lost to her on a SmackDown show. What was I'm the point? Not sure. No clue. My only thing is that Naomi gets paid more. Maybe she needed the W on pay-per-view. <laughs> like, word. Like, some, some contractually. It's just like, oh, no, she got to win. Um, I don't understand it. So, I mean, all in all, it's like SmackDown... Like you say that, it, like we've said it was a better show because it's more concise at two hours. But when you really kind of peel back the layers of SmackDown, there are just as many holes on SmackDown as there are at Raw. And it feels like, again, that this brand split, either it was just poorly handled or it should have never been done. I don't mind it if it would have been handled correctly, but it just hasn't been. It has left too many gaping holes where certain talent, like Sami Zayn, is being misused on Raw, where there's a lot of room for him on SmackDown. Like, I don't need to see Baron Corbin and Jack Swagger feud on SmackDown. I don't need that. At all. Like, no, Sami Zayn should be there. You still can't see Apollo Crews, though. Oh, my God. Like, what was that with him and Kurt Hawkins? No like, clue. Like, I don't know what they're doing with him. They still haven't given him a character. They, but, they, again, therein lies the issue. We have a brand split with a bunch of guys kind of floundering in the mid-card. You know, because, like, Miz and Ziggler, which is... Was, has been a great feud for SmackDown is nearing its end. And then once it's over and Miz has to move on and Ziggler has to move on, who do they move on to? For me, Ziggler, the best possible scenario if you're going to get the title off of Ziggler 
and is give it to Bray Wyatt. Give, give him something to do other than being this creep who loses every big, big match that he's in. Please. I'm one of the rare people not tired of the gimmick, but he does have to win. Like, come on. Enough is enough. Like, the guy has to be scary. You can only be scary by winning. He's 28. He's still one of your youngest talents in the company. He has another decade in front of him when others have four years and their bodies are breaking down. He didn't go through the indie scene. He's going to be here for quite some time. Push him. It's not hard. I mean, yeah, like you have to make Bray Wyatt important. And they, it seemed like they were on the verge of making him important again when he was a babyface. And in, in a weird way, they used it to actually make Sorry. Roman Reigns a fan favorite. But since then, it's like he's back to floundering. And he's, he's involved in these stupid feuds that use magic and shit. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that whole thing with Randy Orton is dumb. Like, have Bray Wyatt get, go on a winning streak. Like, make me feel like he was worthy to face the Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's like such an afterthought. Everything that Bray Wyatt has done has just been an afterthought, and none of it's mattered. Every feud he's been in since Mania has been bad. Yeah. Even, like, even before Mania. Like the Dean Ambrose feud was like, well, whatever. Like Every feud relies on the same thing. And even if you go all the way back to when the Wyatt family had Daniel Bryan as a Wyatt for like a week, everything has, has relied on the same cliched gimmick about, you know, the mystical, magical powers and Sister Abigail. Can we find out who the fuck Sister Abigail is, please? That'd like, be great. Dude, like That'd be a nice turn. Give us something. Like, all right, so you you completely dropped the ball on making uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper tag team champions or a legit tag team in, a, in a, a show that doesn't have any tag teams. Like, they had a great run as tag teams when they were feuding with the Usos. And then they just... Harper got hurt. Why are you not teaming them back with Rowan and let them be their own entity and let well, Rowan is hurt now. But it's like, but you miss, how many times have you missed the ball on these guys? Like even Braun Strowman now he's been separated from the Wyatt family. Everything that's been attached to the Wyatt family has been stuck in a rut. They just got to figure this shit out. Well, none of them can win. Strowman <laughs> didn't problem. win until he left the Wyatt family. That's a problem, dude. It's it's a problem. The Wyatts need to win anyway. Sick of talking about SmackDown. Um, oh, well, just oh, last, NXT. Uh, yeah, so NXT is actually getting fun again. It's not bad. I, I was never bored with NXT. Mm, I was. I, like, I felt like the roster ray kind of hurt it for a hot second. Um, but the Dusty Classics, is good to see that's back. Um, the Samoa Joe Nakamura feud is the best feud in the WWE right now. Yeah, easily. For, on an hour show, it beats out a three-hour show and a two-hour show um, with basically five minutes of beating people up. But Joe and, and Nakamura have made this the heat between them palpable. Like, you actually feel like this is a real good feud. Well, it's, Nakamura it's, is now beating the hell out of everyone. Security yeah. guards, random people. So, like, I'm happy. Like, this this is a good feud, and it's been announced a headline takeover. Um, we got the, the debut of Roderick Strong uh, with, with uh, uh, Austin Aries. Uh, really weird on two fronts. One, it felt like people were like, yay, Roderick Strong? Like when he came out. Like his, <laughs> his, his, his little Titantron video was kind of lame. Um, and Roderick Strong has never looked like anything but like a creative character in a WWE video game. But, you know, I felt like there should have been more to his debut. 
And then the match kind of was like a 50-50 match until the Aries and Strong won at the end. It like it made it did better for their opponents than it did for Roderick Strong's debut, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean Roddy's a good worker, but he's not going to be top of the tier talent. You may have no. a different opinion, but I don't I don't see him as that guy even in NXT. I mean, I, I enjoy Roderick Strong's work. Um, I enjoy Roderick Strong's heel work. As a babyface, I never liked Roderick Strong. But as a heel, I think he's a great heel. PW, his work in PWG is excellent. Uh, was excellent. Now that he's gone. Um, he's got a pretty good moveset. He's solid. He reminds me a lot of, like, of guys like Eddie Edwards who don't, like, again, they look like creative characters, but they can actually wrestle. Um, <laughs> it'd be, I'm interested in see how the pairing with uh, Austin Aries, how far they go in the Dusty Classic. Um, but I, it feels, it, dude, if NXT, like, they are really like TNA light right now. They got Eric Young. They got Bobby Roode, like, Austin Aries. Like, it really feels like a... a Samoa a, Joe. <laughs> it's, like, really like TNA. But it's the um, best years of TNA, so I'll take it. Yeah, no, I mean, these are the best characters that TNA had to offer. And, you know, another TNA is whatever they're going through. I got an email from TNA saying that they're still alive, basically. <laughs> when you gotta got to send that email, it's all bad. Yeah, it was like basically we have an investor and they don't want to see us go under, so they want to bring us back. No, that company needs to be torn down and rebranded. But anyway, um, but NXT as a whole this week, it was a cool show. Um, Liv Morgan getting beat up by Peyton Royce and uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the other Australian. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I know her by. Um, no, that's cool. They're just trying to develop more female characters, which is definitely needed. Nikki um, Cross with Santa. Yeah, it's. Not bad. We have uh, Ashka finally getting an opponent. <laughs> Which really speaks to the lack. Of, it, it like it really speaks to the level of women um, in the wrong places on WWE programming. Like Ashka has no competition. So the, what do they do? Who they get? It? Mickey James. Mickey James is back. Um, well, as long as Mickey's looking sexy, I don't mind that. Can she go with Ashka? I still don't think she's good enough to go with Ashka, but. She has years in the ring, at least. Mickey can wrestle. I, I've been watching like old, like you know, I always watch old WWE programming, and, and Mickey has always been a good worker. And uh, you know, I would love, I would love to see the WWE not necessarily buy TNA, but buy the Knockouts division and bring some of those women over because Gail Kim is an enhancement talent. Like she's she's great. I would love to see her face Oscar, um, but. You know, for what it's worth, you know, we all know Mickey James is not going to win. It's kind of like when Juice and Thunder Liger. Well, shit. He could, I mean, she's not going to beat the Oscar for the title. No, but, no. Different positions. Yeah. So, I mean, but it will be fun to see Oscar in the match. And then in the interim, they can figure out, well, what the hell are we going to do with Oscar for the next, like, six months? Because eventually, she's going to have to go to the main roster sooner or later. They got to prep her for an Ember Moon match, which I'm figuring can happen around WrestleMania. But that's, like, April, which is a long way away. But you um, blink and it's here. Nah, I'm not. I'm blinking a lot, and a lot of shit is still going on. Yo, I'm <laughs> like, telling you, it's gonna go quick. It's two two pay per views away for them. WrestleMania? Yeah. I mean, dude, you got Survivor Series, you got you got the brand pay per views, and then you have like all the no, NXT. No, for NXT. That's what I'm saying. But you got all the NXT programming in between because I think they're gonna do a takeover show around Royal Rumble, possibly. Yeah. So they have this one. The Rumble one, and then that's two, and then you're at the WrestleMania one, and, and this like one's already filled. So, the Rumble one, 
you have to have like a number one contenders match or something, maybe. And Ashka's uh, not even in it. I guess, but it, it'll have to be Ember Moon beating up somebody. Yes, yeah, you're gonna beat the hell out of somebody. I don't. You, but you have to work on pushing Ember Moon. Like that's the other thing. You have to work on pushing. It. But all in all, NXT seems like it's still good. The the, the Dusty Classic as it takes shape will be interesting to watch. Um, Bobby Roode remains a great character. Uh, his feud with Ty Dillinger should be fun. Joe and Nakamura will be a, hopefully be better than their first match because their first match was good, but just didn't lead up to what a lot of us expected. I'm assuming this um, one will be way more physical. I hope so. Like, I, I mean, hopefully, maybe it's a stipulation. Um, last man standing, something. Put oh, that'd in, be great. You Two know, I don't need to steal cage. Maybe. Eh, I, I, I need something brutal, like I, whatever it is. I something. Um, no holes barred, like just anywhere. Yeah, maybe. We haven't even seen that in NXT. Like, they've never gone backstage and just beat the hell out of each other. No, nah, that hasn't happened yet. But it seems like they're on the right path and to make us interested again. Um, so, you know, without New Japan having a lot going on, without ROH really having a lot going on, um, you know, everybody, all eyes are on WWE right now until Wrestle Kingdom in January, uh, New Year's Day. But, yeah, everything's cool. Like... <laughs> Like, this show is like, everything's cool. Some things we hate, a lot of things we hate, but there's some good stuff going on. That's the key. As long as there's some good stuff, I'm, I'm interested. They got me. We're fine. I can't say the same about Raw and SmackDown. Um, nah. NXT, though, I'm looking forward to. It looks like we're going to get another NXT better than Raw for the weekend at Survivor Series. More than likely, yeah. And they have to buck that trend sooner or later. If you bring up all the talent sooner or later the top talent has to be outperforming the guys in quote-unquote developmental. Right. And it's just not happening. Um, so that's our wrestling recap for this week. We're going to take one more short break. Shout-out to the sponsors. Um, after that, we're coming back, and we're talking hip-hop for the remainder of the show. Hip-hop, TV, everything entertainment that we've been kind of talking about outside of the show and me and Andreas group chat about it and we text about it and all that stuff. We're going to bring it to the air because we just feel like talking about it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the Great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping. And Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping? By, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Shout out to Casper Mattresses. Make sure you guys hit up the link. Use our code on there. We're here to talk entertainment 
and specifically hip hop. So much has been happening. Um, we got to go to TV first, though. The Dr. Dre movie. Well, it wasn't the Dr. Dre movie. <laughs> Might as well be. He's very against that. Yeah. Um, but he was, you know, the center of the Lifetime movie this past week. And everyone was up in arms like they just found out a, a hidden secret about Dr. Dre's past. It's like when The Undertaker burned down the church. <laughs> and people were like, oh, my God. His little brother Kane. Like, everyone was just up in arms. This was that version for Dr. Dre, and people really went at him. Yeah, Surviving Compton, the Michelet story, basically a, a response to Straight Outta Compton completely ignoring the women um, that Dr. Dre's dealt with in the past. Um, yeah, Lifetime movie about Michelet. Uh, I actually wrote a piece about it, about, well, I'll talk about that in a second. But the movie itself, yeah, people were pissed off because Dr. Dre, every scene that Dr. Dre's in, he's either verbally abusing Michelet or he's beating the shit out of her. <laughs> like she is like, she's like a punching bag this entire movie. And for me, it makes it hard to watch because I have, I, I find it hard to believe that Dre is as good as he was in Straight Outta Compton, and then as evil as he is on Surviving Compton. Like every single scene, he was calling her a bitch, punching her in the face. Um, you know, like she was sleep. I mean, I'm not saying that none of this stuff is true, but it's a lifetime movie. And for everybody to be like, oh, I'm boycotting Beast by Dre headphones. Yo, Dr. Dre beat up D. Barnes 25 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. 25 years ago. Now, if you say, well, you know, he made a mistake, that's fine. Everybody makes mistakes, but he didn't really fess up to it. And then it was like straight out of Compton came out and it, and it was brought back up. D Barnes getting her ass was brought back up because it was left out of straight out of Compton. You didn't boycott Dr. Dre then. You were just like, hey, that's messed up. Now you see a Lifetime movie and now you're going to be like, oh, we got to boycott Dr. Dre because a Lifetime movie made this violence look really bad. That's Yo, what Lifetime movies do, though. Exactly. It's like, come on, dude. Dr. Dre has been beating up women for basically his entire life, it seems like. And now, granted, he's now cooled off. And I look at this situation very similar to the Nate Parker situation. Um, something happened in his past. He's a changed man. But you have to show empathy. Like, is, in Dr. Dre's case, like, filing a lawsuit against Michelet, like, to, to stop that movie from happening is the wrong thing to do. And then making an apology, basically a vague apology to the women that you've hurt. Like, yo, I guarantee you, that there's more women in more situations than we know of that Dr. Dre's involved in. And if he wants this to go away, it's best for him to say, I made a mistake, Michelle. I am sorry. And you know, I've grown. I'm a better person. Exactly. Like in Nate Parker's situation with Birth of a Nation, when he was interviewed, it was like, he, he kind of like was irritated that he was getting interviewed about a rape trial. Like I was acquitted, but acquittals don't mean shit. Like, acquittals don't mean you didn't rape somebody. It's just like you found a legal loophole and got through with it. Because your boy, your, your co-writer... He did time, so and you did it. So it's trial by media, trial by social media. At that, we're gonna say how we feel, regardless of what happened in the courtroom. Oh yeah, George, look at the Giants kicker right now, Josh Brown. He's catching the business. Like George Zimmerman got off, and we said the legal justice system didn't do us any good. But then Derrick Rose gets off, and then we're like, well, the legal good job. It's like, dude, you can't have it both ways. Shit is fucked up both ways. But as an individual, if you want the public to look past your previous transgressions, you have to be empathetic. And in Dr. Dre's case, like, you can't just say shit didn't happen. 
you got to acknowledge, yeah, I beat up D Barnes. Everybody knows you beat up D Barnes. Everybody <laughs> saw you beat up D Barnes. I was about to say, it's not a secret. No. Now, the Michelet stuff is kind of new. He also, Lisa Williams, who I think is the mother of like two of his other children, said that she was beat up. A ruthless records artist said that she was beat up by Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is like an ass kicking machine. So, all you have to do is say, and it's not even all because it's a lot of work, really, is to say, I made mistakes in my past and I apologize to these spe- specific women. Don't say the shit didn't happen. Like, because I, I, I don't believe that everything in the, in the uh, Surviving Compton movie was true, mm-hmm. but I do believe that there is a lot of truth in how, how Michelle was abused. I just hated how the movie was done because we learned nothing about Michelle the individual. <laughs> all we knew that she, she could take a punch, which I, I didn't particularly care for. <laughs> no, I mean, it should have focused, like you said, more on her. Um, but I guess that's not the point of this, right? That's not the point of Lifetime movies. No, like they want to show that other side, quote unquote. Uh, I don't know how much of this they wanted to show in Straight Outta Compton because they had edits and cuts too. It's like they weren't focusing on that. So I don't know if you put it on that movie specifically, but uh, it's... It's weird, and the response of people being up in arms all of a sudden, it's something that has been known. Maybe not to the depth that it's known now, but you've known he's hit women before. You have since supported him for 20 years. Exactly. You were like, yo, Dr. Dre's a billionaire. I'm so happy, but he beat up D. Barnes. Yeah, 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 but that was in the past. So a Lifetime movie, not a documentary, a Lifetime movie comes out, and you're like, man, fuck Dr. Dre. Yo! If that's how you felt, you should have felt like that years ago. That's all I'm saying. Like people get, like people. I know people are gonna rail rail my article and was like, ah, what? If, like somebody said, well, what if that was your wife? Well, like, like yo, I would have been mad 25 years ago. <laughs> like I'm not gonna get <laughs> mad today. Like this is not new information. This is not like to. And it, again, a lifetime movie is never something that you should look at and you should say, that's the truth right there. Because every Lifetime movie has been a piece of shit and historically inaccurate. Like, you look at the Whitney Houston movie, you look at the, the JonBenet Rams, like, you look at all these movies, the Casey Anthony movie, like, they're all, like... It's all, catered all, to their audience. Yeah, and they're terribly biased, too. All of them. So... And that's what, that's what the people go there for, and they deliver. Yeah, so, I, like, again, at the end of the day... Um, when I see these, you know, a movie like this, and I see people who are up in arms, and I'm like, you're, like, dude, when R. Kelly's happy people come on, you don't say shit anymore. All it takes is a good song for you to forget about everybody, everything that somebody's done. Like, Word. you gotta be consistent. <laughs> you gotta be consistent with your anger, and we're never consistent with our anger. No, it's it's a microwave culture, and people want to be upset today and forget about tomorrow or yesterday and who they were upset with and who they're not. Listen, people buy all of Chris Brown shit still. People do not care. Um, One positive impact we've seen on television from someone in hip-hop, though, is Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, and the Atlanta show, which we talked about once already, but man, this shit is good. It's like the absolute... Right now is the best show on television, in my opinion. Um, I I laugh hard every week. (laughs) Like, it's not like I giggle. Like, I, I laugh. Like, this shit is... Like, between Donald Glover, Paperboy, and then Lakeith Stansfield's Darius character, like... Darius Dar- is the best character on the show. 
Yeah, and I actually have a feature going up on him like in two days. Um, I actually interviewed him at Sundance before he told me it was in Atlanta. And we were talking about his movie roles in like Miles Ahead and Selma. Like he's been acting for not for a terribly wrong time, but he's got a, a ton of a, a ton of good co-starring roles. And now it's like people are noticing him in Atlanta and he's like absolutely hilarious and engaging. And, and it never seems like he's trying so hard. Like he's 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 an integral part of the show. Um, but this last episode in the club, crying. <laughs> the invisible car. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. yo, the show is, the show, it's amazing what Gambino has done. Donald Glover has become, like, I, I've always said he's the, he's the artsy side of Drake. Like, the, the, like, Drake was an actor, but Donald Glover's like the writer and the producer. And he does a lot more. And people love Drake, but I, I really think Donald Glover's like this remarkable individual. He's more, ta- like, right, <clears throat> more talented. Well, yeah, he was writing for 30 Rock in his 20s. Yep, he was in Community. Um, musically, he holds up. I don't care what anyone says. He holds up to yeah. Drake musically. His, I still bump all of his albums. Camp, um, Because the Internet. All his, I can't wait for the new album, even though I heard it's more like folky and singing. Um, man, he, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's a true talent. And it's crazy we don't see more, I guess, of these young artists branch out. ASAP Rocky kind of branched out to fashion, which is cool, and modeling, and he's doing his thing. Um, and then we have Drake, who's always just been Drake, and he does Saturday Night Live. But we don't see too many branch out and create their own things. Like hip hop shouldn't be in a box. For all purposes, you and I are hip hop, and we chose yeah. to write about sports. Like we can, but that doesn't stop you from creating documentaries on people. And if they said, "Yo, Andres, create a show," you can sit down and write a script, and do so. I'm sure it's probably something you'll do anyway, eventually, because we're not in a box. And I'd like to see these new hip-hop artists remember that. Like, yo, we can do more. Because I don't want to see that go by the wayside. The, the stuff that Tupac showed back in the day was like, no, I can be an actor. Will Smith, LL. It's in the history, the fabric of hip-hop to go and start by rhyming and do so much more. And I, see, I feel like we see it less and less now. Well, yeah, I mean, granted, you know, a lot of people shouldn't act that are rappers. Like, there was a time, I think it was like in the early 2000s, where every rapper was in like some kind of movie, and yeah, they were no, all terrible. Was, yeah, that was like a shitty part. Like, 50 and all that, and DMX. And, yeah. yeah. Nelly, are, like, you, nah. like, I don't want to see every rapper become an actor. But there are some people who are, like, to be a talented writer, to write music, you could be a great writer in other places. And it's like, you see guys like Action Bronson do, like, the cooking show. stuff. Like, you got to branch out. He's amazing with that shit. Yeah, you got to branch out and do more. So it's like you see people like Common doing different things. But, you know, Donald Glover has really become this, like, I mean, most Def. Most Def was acting before, like, on The Young and the Restless. You go all the way back. But it's like you see people like Donald Glover. Yeah. And you have to applaud how well they have done for themselves. Because if hip-hop music were to die tomorrow, like, if your music dies tomorrow, you got to find something else to do. And Donald Glover is going to always have a lot of shit to do. This Atlanta show, I don't know. I don't know when it peaks. I don't know when it it starts backsliding. But yo, it's good, really good. Even if it's on for two or three seasons, it did what it's supposed to, and he will forever have a job. What it reminds me of a lot is when Judd Apatow had Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he had Undeclared, and it was like, yo, you know what? It didn't last as long as it should, 
But you look at the people who acted in it, the Seth Rogans of the world, the, all these, uh, the James Franco, all these guys, and you're like, yo, there's talent there. Uh, yep. The dude from How I Met Your Mother, all this, and Apatow had the talent. And I was like, we don't know how much this niche show is going to work. Because that's what it was. It was a niche show. Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared. I was like, I don't know if this niche show is going to work, but what he does next is going to be amazing. And he turned that into some of the funniest movies. And they've, they're on a, what, 12, 13-year run with just his crew and his movies. Yep. That's what mm-hmm. I, I feel that Donald Glover is doing with this, and especially, you know, in a, a black way, I would guess. Um, Avatar did it in a real Canadian way, though. It was funny. It was like <laughs> a, a fuck you, Degrassi. This is what Canada's really about. And to me, that's what Donald Glover is doing. He's like, nah, fuck you, reality TV. This is Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's the biggest thing is like his his version of Atlanta is, is so much bigger than what everybody else believes Atlanta has been or is. So it's like I, it's just you, you appreciate seeing stuff like this. Um, and yeah, just want to see more. And I'm happy it's, it's black season. So a lot of these shows are going to are going to get greenlit because it's, you know, everybody just loves black stuff right now. But um, it's it's good. It's, we're in a good space because. Everything black doesn't have as much weight as it did when there was only like two or three black shows on television. And then you go, you have to judge it because you want that particular show to be everything because there's only one on. Yeah. Now you have, like, if you don't necessarily like Luke Cage, I'm fine with that. Like, every show doesn't have to be excellent. Like, if you're like, well, Luke Cage is all right, but I can go watch Scandal or How to Get Away with Murder or Atlanta or my shitty reality television, or Insecure on HBO. It's like there's so many options. Blackish, Black-ish right? It's still going? Yeah, Blackish is yeah. still dope. I love Blackish. But it's like there's so many options for black television now that everything doesn't have to be great and it doesn't carry the same weight that it did when there was like two or three. Like you have options. Like Empire. Like Empire is not my cup of tea. People love Empire, but I don't like the, the, that drama type series. But I haven't I'm okay watched Power it. yet. I mean, people I like, are like, what? I just haven't been able to sit down and watch it yet. Like there's there you have options like every you don't have to run to that one show because it's black because <laughs> it's the one show that you can relate to. Now we're all over the place. We got tons of shows to watch and we don't have to like them all. I don't like Scandal. I hate Scandal. I think Scandal's a terrible show now. Oh, I love but, Scandal. <laughs> but I'm totally fine with its existence. I don't want it to get canceled. I'm glad people watch it. I'm just glad we have options. That's all. I like options. Options is key and in hip hop. The options are, uh, I don't want to say dwindling. It looked so bright two years ago, and now it's kind of like it's falling back into a pattern. Um, you look at the double XL list from this year, they're all kind of the same artists. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'd like to see more diversity in hip-hop. But talking about these younger kids, who do you see as like a younger kid where you're like, yo, that's dope? Like If you had to pick like your younger kid that you can rock with now, who is it? Because you obviously write these long-form pieces, still doing your two dope boys' works. You got your ears to the street. Is there any one of these young kids where you're like, okay, I actually mess with them? I mean, that we don't know about? <laughs> I mean, because, you know, my... No, no I mean, not like the kids who have broken... I mean, J. Cole and all them are no longer young kids. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that we don't... Like, Chance is the, 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 Shit, the man. Shit, Chance is young. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, like just I turned forget 20, like, Chance is young and not their age bracket. I feel like, like he's like my age, but he's not. No, Chance is like the man. 
And Chance could change a lot of things for this. Between Chance and Vic Mensa, if Vic Mensa could, there's a lot of things going on with Vic Mensa. But Chance and Vic Mensa are like two of the most intriguing personalities that we have in music that are young. Um, and, you know, everybody tells us about like Little Yachty and all those, all that garbage, in my opinion, is trash. But, you know, like Joey Badass, for instance. Um, obviously, anybody who listens to this show knows that I, I like my music with a lot more substance. I can't do a bunch of the bullshit. Like Big Baby Drums album just came out. I'm going to listen to it because somebody told me to listen to it, but I'm not expecting much. But it's like, I like that there is some diversity in hip hop. Does he have broccoli? Is that him? Yeah, that's that's him. Okay. That's... I got to I got to keep up with these young kids, man. <laughs> but it, like it's like we said last week. Like I watched the the BC Hip Hop Awards I was like, man, I'm too old for this shit. But there are some some, some cats that there that make it interesting. And when you see Chance the Rapper, I'm like, there's hope for the future. That's that's a guy like I I can't wait till he starts acting and branching out and doing other things. He did, he's got a Kit Kat commercial for Christ's sakes. Like <laughs> kids on fire, man. No, you're right. Chance is kind of like the the next guy. The guy you're just like, yes, I hope he is the flag bearer for the next couple years in hip hop. Yeah, he he's that dude. Um, um, I like the Dave East project. Dave East is dope. So uh, like, Dave I, East would I rock with Dave East right now? Like for a guy who puts out an an enormous amount of music, like it feels like he's got a new song every day. Um, the fact that his album is actually really good speaks a lot. Um, yeah. I, you know, he signed to Nas's album, uh, Mass Effect, Mass Appeal, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, like Davies, I don't know how young Davies though. I feel like he's in his mid-20s. But, yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, he's just what, maybe three years? Yeah. He's, him and Chance are about like that three years in on the scene. Yeah, I mean, there's hope for hip hop. Did you... Uh, before we get off the, the show, I guess we'll talk about it more next week. Have you listened to Joe Budden's album yet? I haven't. You know I'm... Yo, that's how busy I've been. I was hungover yesterday, and I had other stuff to do. But I'm listening to it right after this podcast is over, and I won't be listening to anything else this entire weekend. And God, people damn. who are fans of the show know where I put Budden in my rankings of all-time artists, as far as my favorite. And um, he's up there, so... No, I'm, I'm definitely going to sit down with the project. I heard nothing but good things. There's definitely some introspective Budden on there, which is always appreciated. Um, I get weary when Budden's happy, like most Budden fans. <laughs> no, on the real, it's just like, you know, when he's happy, it's just like, uh, what's going on here? You know, some of his best music comes with the Tahiri's smashing New York Knicks players type shit. Right. Um, all the OLS stuff and but it seems like he has some of those still inside of him and he puts a couple on the album. And then I think A-Rap music has bought out the more just, yo, just go and spit. Just have bars, Joey. You know, the hmm. triangle offense, desert storm, Joey, where everything didn't have to be super introspective and gloomy and, and other things people complain about. Just like, yo, I want to, I listen to Butter, I want to jump off a bridge type shit. Um, I think we get, you know, the, yo, this guy is still amazingly lyrical and people just have to separate the work from the worker or the art from the artist. Cause Joey's right. never going to be people's cup of tea. He's a weird ass dude. Um, but the same things that make him weird or make him great at making music, that awkwardness, that dependency, um, he, he just walks around like just in fear of stuff a lot, but he lets it go when he's in the booth. That's his only place to be honest. That's his therapy. And you don't, I have yet 
to this day to see another hip hop artist as willing to share everything in his life as Joe Budden. True indeed. So I guess next week we'll have a conversation about Joe Budden's album. Yeah. And, uh, talk Microwave about journalism. Classic, classic, classic. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so when we wrap this show up, you know, we had, we had a not a whole lot to talk about, but we stretched it out for the, for the listeners. Definitely. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all our social media, at The Corner LSN on all platforms. I'm at Kel Dansby on everything. Yeah, and I'm at Andreas Hale. You guys know all of this by now. Thank you guys for supporting us. Make sure you guys support the sponsors. A lot more coming up in combat sports in the coming weeks. UFC 205 is going to be huge for us. Um, we're going to make sure we have you guys all covered on that and everything else that you need in the realm of combat sports and hip-hop as a monks, uh, you know, kind of tick away. Also, we're going to have our year-end episode once again, our awards. So the corner awards are going to be handed out. We're going to start working on those. We do need freestyles once again. So if you guys know people who listen to the show or artists who are dope, and they're trying to get their name out there. We will be taking freestyles again for our ciphers. Uh, last year had a great response. I'm trying to bump it up to three or four different ciphers this year. Maybe two cipher videos because last year we had one. So it only gets bigger and better. BT kind of flopped out on there. So we're definitely having a better ciphers than them this year. Um, make sure you guys hit us up if you guys want to be a part of that. But until next week, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. We're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.